Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. All righty, as they heard the, the cats back into the children's ministry. Good morning, Christ Community Church. There we go. All right. Um, I know it's a, it's a little warm. We've cranked up the, the AC um, and we've turned down some of the lights, try to make it a little, little cooler, and I will try to be as quick as I possibly can. Um, now, if it makes you feel any better, you guys are out there in the dark. These are not LED lights on me. So it's about five to eight degrees warmer up here than it is down there. So, and don't worry about me. Last night when I finished preaching, I looked like I just ran a marathon in August in Panama. So um, I was just drenched. So it's just going to happen. But anyway, a couple things before um, we get going. Uh, number one, we are halfway through our series on the Ten Commandments. We hit number five today, honor your father, father and mother. And so here in six weeks, we've been talking about what will be the next sermon series. And so we want your input. If you've got some ideas on where you'd like to go, please let us know. Send me a Facebook message. Just come talk to me, text me, call the church, whatever you want to do, and let us know because we're planning that out now. One of the things we were talking about was a back-to-basics message, going back to, we like to do this every couple years, how to study your Bible, how to pray, all that other kind of stuff. But whatever you guys want to hear, you let us know, and we'll do the best that we can do. Um, number two, she just uh, walked out of here, but I'm going to brag on my wife again. Um, it's been a series of those. You know, she um, got her master's degree in theology. Her women's ministry, the Bold Movement, now has something like 12,000 followers on Facebook or something like that. She was on the cover of the Christian Standard, which just came out only second woman in 100 years. And this week, she was asked to speak at a very large conference in the Midwest um, in the fall. That'll be her first speaking gig. I can't say which conference yet because they asked us not to do that until the final roster was all put together. But it'll be in front of several thousand people, so I'm proud of her. And um... All right, let's jump into this. We are talking about the Ten Commandments, and the reason we are talking about the Ten Commandments is not because we are Old Testament people. We're under the New covenant, but as I've said before, the Old Testament still helps us understand who God is and who we are, and so you have this where, where Moses is given the Ten Commandments, and, and by the way, if you've seen like pictures of the Ten Commandments, they're usually wrong. Sorry, I have to nerd out on you. Uh, it wouldn't be fun unless I spoiled something. Um, they usually see them, and they have like the first five commandments on one tablet, and then six through ten on the other tablet. But in all like that's not how they rolled in the ancient Near East. Typically, the two tablets Moses had would have been full tablets that had all ten on each. They would have had two copies because typically when you had a contract, there were always two copies, and that's how it works. So you had two copies of the ten commandments, and the way if you read them, you can see a flow. First four commandments specifically deal with our relationship with God. Who is God and who are we to be before God? That we are to worship no other. He's to be worshipped in a certain way. And we're not to take his name in vain, etc. That that is all about God. Then it shifts to dealing with other people. And we see this in the New Testament as well, right? What does Jesus say? All the law and prophets hang on. Love God. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? Everything hangs on that. And this is a summary of that. And here we get to the very first commandment that God gives the Israelites dealing with how you deal with other people 
starts with the home, the family, specifically mother and father. Now, there's a reason for that. The reason for that is because the relationship you have with your parents is the first relationship you have outside of the one you have with your creator, right? God makes you. Mama has you. God turns baby over to mommy and daddy, and mommy and daddy raise them. And that's how that works. And that relationship you have with your parents is so foundational because it will shape you into the person you are sometimes for life. It just is. And if you don't believe me, if you're like, I'm nothing like my parents, oh, please, come on. When you get old enough, you have that moment. Do you remember that moment when you said or did something that was just like one of your parents? was frightening, wasn't it? We've all had it. It's in there. It is there. You can't get rid of it. It is lodged deep in there. And so that's why it's so serious. It's so serious that God actually had Moses write in Deuteronomy 21 that if a child disobeyed this commandment, it could carry the death penalty with it. Now, He's not talking about, when he says that if a child is obstinate and so forth, he's not talking about little kids. Because if little kids were killed for not doing what they're told, when they're like two and three, the human race would die out. He's talking about older kids. Like, Jews expected, especially young men, to start being a man at age 13. 13 to 16 is when they were supposed to learn to be a man. In our society, some people are still waiting at like 33 or 43 for their child to become a man move out of the basement, quit playing video games all day. But then at 13, that's what they expected. So if you were like 13, 14, and instead of learning your craft from your father, learning how to make a living, learning how to raise food, learning how to love people, learning how to worship God, you were out drinking and partying, at some point the parents could take you to the elders, and they'd talk to them. And if they thought, yeah, this kid's just not going to do it, they would take him, and then the men would line up. There's two different, there's a difference of opinion here. Scholars think it happened one of two ways. Either the men would line up with a pile of rocks, and they just start going old, old Nolan Ryan on the kid, or they dig a pit, put the kid in it, pronounce execution, and then roll a boulder on the kid. Now, some of you are going, oh, that's terrible. I'll explain why here in a second. Some of you are going, I better watch my husband make sure he doesn't go home, run to Lowe's, and grab a big boulder and a shovel this afternoon. Um, okay, I don't want to get a Facebook message saying, is, that, is this still applicable? No, it's not. You don't get away with this anymore. Jesus redeemed this on the cross. But that's what it took. It literally took Jesus dying on the cross as part of that to overturn this because God took it that seriously. Why? Here's why. You've got to remember, God has given Israel a holy mission, and its mission is to, at the crossroads of the world, reach out to the rest of the world and bring those who don't know the one true God into a relationship, a worshipful relationship, with the one true God. And God is saying, I take this mission so seriously that your kids are going to have to take it seriously too because it's going to take some time. And that's why. Because it was a mission to save the world. And that's why it was so severe. Now, can we all agree that in our society today, it is not stressed 
that we honor our father and mother and raise our children in the ways of the Lord. Can we agree that that is not the society we live in? Right? We lived in a jacked up society. And here's where I started to notice something. Um, I, I know I'm a weird guy, but I don't watch cartoons anymore usually. Um, but this week, Megan and I have been babysitting our, our niece, who's five. And one of the ways we can keep her from getting into every cabinet and tearing the house up is to turn on cartoons. So she asked for certain cartoons, so I go digging around. I find the cartoons. She said, Matt, you sit and watch cartoons with me. I said, okay. So I sit and watch them. And I'm sitting there watching them. First of all, I know I'm really old because I don't get cartoons anymore. And I'm like trying to talk her, and I'm lobbying. I was like, have you ever heard of Scooby-Doo? And she's not having any of it. So all right. So we're watching these cartoons. And here's what I notice. If you watch cartoons, understand that this is what's coming forth to kids. In almost every cartoon, there's an animal, like a dog or a parrot or a cat. They're geniuses. The parents, idiots. Complete and utter idiots, especially the father. The father is just completely clueless in modern cartoons. Now, the dog, the dog knows everything. Okay, now, what message is that conveying to little kids? Your parents are idiots. That's the message that's getting across. We live in a culture that really demonizes older people and worships youth and beauty. Sound about right? Now, see, pop culture has more of an effect on our culture, unfortunately, than the church does. And I should have seen this coming because I lived in Hollywood for a couple years. And one of the first things I noticed from going from Ohio to Hollywood at age 17 was the amount of plastic surgery you see on the streets of Los Angeles. You would see like 45, 50-year-old women walking down the streets of West Hollywood in Beverly Hills looking like they were riding a Harley into a hurricane. Just like this. It was like, man, how much Botox can a face take? Now, why are they doing that? Because in our society, we worship youth and beauty, and we demonize wisdom that comes from age. Now, see, if you're old enough to have grown up in the 70s, you remember things like, remember the Waltons? Yeah, like the dad and the grandpa, they always had things figured out. You know, the kids were always screwing up, and like every other episode ended with like grandpa saying, well, you should have done this. Oh, and I was always sitting there thinking, grandpa, where you been? You could have fixed everything from the beginning, because that, that show was based on the idea that older people, been there, done that, know what they're talking about, young people, listen to them. And what's funny is if you go to Asia, you go to most parts of Africa, you go to Eastern Europe, that's still the way it is. Here, very different. And all this started, actually, the reason pop culture is so influential is because it's based upon stuff coming out of the universities. And so out of the universities, what we've seen over the last hundred years is you've got guys like uh, Sigmund Freud, and then you had John Dewey, who basically built the modern American educational system. And then you had Dr. Spock in the 60s. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, Star Trek dude. I'm not, not that Dr. Spock. The, the Spock who wrote the baby book in the 60s that everybody read. And all of them basically argue the same thing. 
that age does not necessarily bring wisdom and that kids should decide for themselves. John Dewey, following the ancient philosopher Plato, said basically that children should be separated as much as they can from their parents, placed in state systems where the state indoctrinated and raised the kids, that that's the way that should work. And that parents should have as little input as possible. When Spock comes along in the 60s, he actually argued that all families should be democracies and that kids should get to vote. And he believed... If you don't believe me, read the book. He believed that this is how human nature worked. All people, including children, are inherently good and want to do the good and right thing. And all you have to do is tell them what the good and right thing is, and they'll do it. Have you had children? <laughs> really? That's not how it works, is it? No. Do you know what God designed the family to be? A dictatorship. It's like, from birth to 18, you are my minion, and you will do what I tell you to do or else. And that's it. That's it. Now, to be fair, that dictatorship is based on those parents honoring the first four commandments. And then the kids coming in at the fifth and being raised in the way of the Lord. That's what it means. All right, so let's break this down. First of all, let's look at the verse. Exodus 20, 12. Here it is. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Okay, now see that? So you may live long in the land. What he's saying is this. This is going to be a multi-generational rescue mission, and the only way this is going to work is for your kids to honor you, you to honor me, you to show them how to honor me, and that's how this will work. Or Otherwise, God says, I'm taking the land from you because if you're not going to work for me and, con and you know, conduct my rescue mission, then I'm firing you, and I'm kicking you out, which is what happened. But that's how seriously he took it. All right, so what does this mean? What does it mean to honor your parents? Are there limits? Why should we obey and how can we obey? Here's the first thing. First of all, honor. The Hebrew word for honor is kabot. And that means to show reverence. Showing reverence means putting something up on a pedestal, like we do with, say, the American flag, or there's a reason why we stand, the national anthem, so forth. It's, a, it's that kind of reverence, that you put your parents up on a pedestal and that you listen to them. That includes you obey them, and you show them gratitude. Almost every parent here going, when did that happen? You know, it, it, it is one of those things that, that comes with age. I look back now, when I was a rebellious teenager especially, but even in my 20s, my parents worked like dogs. They still do, they just don't get paid for it. But they, they, you know, they worked like dogs flying all over the place to make money to, to give us a home, to give us clothes, and to send us off to college. And I rarely ever said thank you. And looking back, I should have said thank you every morning and every night. Because they didn't have to do that. They weren't raised that way. They were raised, dad was raised dirt poor, mom was raised working class. They didn't have a lot of stuff. You know, and, and they're giving us all this stuff. And then, you know, they send me off to college and they pay for it. They didn't have to do that either. There's nothing in the Bible that says you have to pay for college. You know, at 18, they could have looked at me and said, hey, um, 
rented a van. Movers will be here Tuesday. Uh, we're turning your room into a study. Uh, hope to see you at Christmas, you know, and they're done. They could have done that legally, biblically, go. They didn't do that. And I should have said, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And kids should do the same. That's what that means. To honor your parents means to show them gratitude. Just show gratitude. Now, and to obey. But good luck with that one because here's another reason we live in such a jacked up culture. Now, here's where I sound like, mom's not in the room, good, I can use it. Here's where I sound like an old fart. Mom hates the word fart. In our, in our house growing up, the F word was fart. Um, you know, she used to tell us, it's toot. I said, okay, fine, I'm an old toot, whatever. But here's where I play the old fart. And here's where I make some of you upset. I don't mean to, but, and I know there are exceptions, I know there are exceptions, I know there are exceptions. But generally speaking, when I look around, at the generation that's up and coming, teenagers, 20-somethings, so forth. They're an entitled bunch of spoiled brats. You know, too many people I talk to, they go from job to job to job because in their 20s, somehow they think they're entitled to a paycheck, free Wi-Fi, and free coffee, and they don't have to do anything else. And that's the world we live in. And, and the world we live in is that way because too many parents listen to Dr. Spock and too few parents took God's guidance seriously. God basically says your child needs love, yes, but needs guidance, needs boundaries, and needs discipline. And I don't care what that discipline is. I don't, I'm not, please hear me, I'm not telling you to beat your child. But sometimes a smack on the butt is warranted. Now, that's not for every child. Uh, James Dobson says, you know, you have to find that button that, that you push. Like my son, when I was raising him, spanking him did no good. That kid's butt was leather. Man, I'd just whop him one, and he'd look at me and be like, what else you got? I can do this all day. You're a lawyer. You bill two fifty an hour. How many hours are you going to waste on this? So I had to look for something else. So, so finally I got to where no TV, no video games, and then all of a sudden it was, oh, Father, what shall you have me do? <laughs> Aha, I found my button. So every kid's different. You have to find that. But you have to, you have to press that button, and you have to do it consistently, and you have to do it without anger. Because if you do it with anger, you'll do it badly. And here's how you keep from being angry. Where does frustration come from? Frustration comes from unrealistic expectations. And mothers, I got to pick on you a little bit because mothers are especially guilty of this. They hold that little baby, they look at me and think, my angel, I die for you. You'll never be bad, will you? And they believe it. And I'm sitting there going, oh, I'm, I've sat there with newborn mothers. I'm sitting there going, you are crazy. I don't tell them at the time, but later on I'll tell them, look, this little angel, this little thing that you just would die for, this, this little beautiful thing, one day, 
probably within the next three or four years, is going to stand before you, fists clenched, red-faced, and go, I hate you! Because they all do. That's what they do. You want to know why? Because they're little sinners. They're little sinners. They're cute, and you should love them and protect them, but they're demonic. They get really angry. They'll kill you if they can. I mean, it's just the way they are, and that's what the Bible teaches. You are born in sin. You are born naturally sinful, and you don't have to wait long to see that. And so you have to treat them like that, and you have to expect that. Be prepared for that. Be ready for that. Those are your grandparents. You need to tell your kids, look, I was unrealistic with you. Don't be unrealistic with them. They will break your heart. They will lie to you. They will do all. Why? Because they're sinners who have yet to be redeemed by Jesus Christ. And so it's, that's just the way it is. And you just have to expect that. How many of you have seen this? You've been in like Kroger or someplace, and you see some kid throwing a tantrum on the floor, and the mother's like, honey, what's wrong? And I just want to walk up to him and say, excuse me, Mrs. Bin Laden. Um, <laughs> no, you yank that kid out of the store, and you do what you have to do. And it's just, it's just ridiculous. That's the reason we are in where we are. We still have a mission, and that mission as a church hopefully includes passing off your love of God to your kids and showing them how to honor you and honor God, and that starts at a very young age with realistic expectations, no anger, and discipline, and love. And it is love. I would tell my kid, even if I spanked my kid that day or I yanked his TV and videos away, every night I told my son the same thing. I love you. I'm proud of you. I'm glad you're my son. Every single night growing up, I told him that. It's important. Now, but there are limits here. And the limit is this. One, a couple limits. One is this. Once they turn 18, and they're out of the house, hopefully, and they get out of the house, and they get married, their responsibility is no longer to obey you. Now, if they're living under your house, that's something different. But if they're, if they're off on their own, the Bible teaches their primary responsibility is now God, their spouse, and their own children, and then you down here. And here's what I want you to avoid Parents, grandparents, don't do this. Do not call up your kids, especially when you get elderly, and be like, I need this, I need that, I need this. And if they say, I can't do that right now, don't start with the, well, I'm just so lonely, and I'm just, I see people, like, no, don't play the guilt card. Knock it off. Your kid's responsibility now is to their spouse, not to you. That stops. Second, the other limitation is this. No child is obligated to obey their parents following them into a sinful, any kind of sinful area. Like, and I've had this happen. This happened a lot in upstate New York when I ministered there. I had a kid who was coming to my youth group. He got saved. We baptized him. 
Parents call me angry like a week later. We are Buddhists, and we want our son to practice Buddhism with us. We don't care if he goes to church. He can do both. But you're telling him he can't be a Buddhist and a Christian. I said, that's correct. Stop telling that. I said, I won't do that. That's our child. I said, yeah, but he's obeying everyone's God. And that's just the way it is. Now, so that's why we do it. That's the limits. That's all that kind of stuff. But, you know, how can you honor parents now? Since a lot of you are older, maybe you've lost your parents, or maybe your parents are elderly, what do you do now? Okay. Here's what every Old Testament scholar agrees on this, what it means to honor your parents now. It means to make sure they're taken care of. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you directly take care of them, because a lot of times you can't do that. You, you just can't. Now, I, I, I get a kind of a just disgusted. You've seen these commercials. There are a lot of these commercials now where it's they're financial commercials. It's like, we'll help you save so that, you know, when Grandpa is ready to retire, he can live out back. You've saved enough, you can build granddad a house out back. And all these, these commercials, these grandfathers who are retired and they're trying to, you're talking about putting in a home, they're walking around just fine. They don't look like anything's wrong with them. I'm like, what? Why? What? So why are you putting him in a, in a shack in the backyard? He's fine. Leave the guy alone. Because that's not realistically the situation, is it? Typically, when you're having to take a parent or you're talking about taking a parent into a home, your own home or a, or a facility, it's because they can't walk anymore, they can't take care of themselves anymore, or worse, they don't even know who they are half the time. At that point, it is perfectly biblical to honor your parent by putting that person in a good facility to be taken care of. Now, that doesn't mean you don't go visit them. It doesn't mean you, you still make sure they're being taken care of. There's a reason why you've got those lawyers on TV. It's like, is there nursing home abuse? It's because, unfortunately, sometimes there is. So you do still have to check on them, make sure they're okay, all other kind of stuff. We have somebody here on staff whose mother has advanced dementia, does not recognize her child anymore. She can't take care of her. The nursing facility can barely take care of her. She's broken out twice. And so, but she visits her every day, even though she doesn't recognize her anymore. She still visits her. Why? She's honoring her parents in a godly fashion. Make sense? Good. Now, a couple other things before we quit, because I know there's all kinds of things wrapped up in here, but I'm, I'm going to wrap up beforehand um, so that I don't have to, like, ring myself out in the parking lot. Um, Here's another way you can honor your mother and father, and that's by being the child that they should have wanted you to be, the parent they should have wanted you to be, the husband, the spouse that they wanted you to be, that God wants you to be. Now, here's one of the ways this happens. I've seen this way too often. When I go in, and typically I already know trouble's brewing, 
and I go visit a couple, and what do I see? I see one of the spouses treating the other spouse like they're the eldest child, not their spouse. Don't do that. Whether it's nagging or being verbally abusive or whatever, don't do that. Treat the person you marry as a partner, not as a child. Because if nothing else, you are setting the example for your children and grandchildren that that's how you act. And you will pass it on. And that eventually will end in a messy divorce. Don't do that. Ask yourself, what example are you setting? It's not just whether you discipline your kids, send them to church, send them to a good school, all that kind of stuff. It's more than that. What example are you setting for your kids? How do they see you treat the opposite sex? How do they see you treat other people? That model is as important as anything you teach them. Treat each other with respect. Now, two other things real quick. One, for those of you who had a complicated relationship with your parents, I know this is not a fun sermon because if you didn't have a father in the house or if you didn't have a mother in the house or if your father was abusive or your mother was abusive or whatever and you're sitting there thinking about that and you're sitting there thinking, Matt, you didn't know my parents. No, I didn't. But there's not an exception clause in the Bible to this. Now, I remember preaching on forgiveness here 13 years ago. It's one of the first sermons I preached here. And I thought I did a decent job. I got home. I was getting ready to go to lunch. I opened up my computer, and there's an email from a woman who used to go to church here. She's got a job out of town, moved away a long time ago. But she sent me an email. She said, so I have to forgive everyone. I said, yeah. She said, I have to forgive my father. My father raped me repeatedly when I was a child. They put him away, but he gets out soon. He'll be out of prison in a couple months. Are you telling me I have to forgive him? I said, well, two things. First of all, forgiveness does not necessarily require a close relationship again. It does not. There's some common sense here, folks. I said, you should never be alone with your father ever again. That, that's first of all. And you should make that clear to him. If he doesn't understand why, I'll explain it. But yeah, you need to forgive them, and that includes your parents, and here's why. One, because not just because the Bible says so, but also because you need to understand something. When you refuse to forgive someone, you carry that bitterness around with you that you are giving power over yourself to that person, to that bitterness. Don't you want to be free of it? To just set it down? That's what you have to do, if nothing else for yourself. And also, you need to understand something else. They may have done horrendous things, but understand that as Christians, we know one day justice will be done. Either those sins will be paid for on the cross, or they'll pay for those sins on Judgment Day in front of God. Nobody gets away with anything. Justice is always done. And if you don't have a father, especially, if you didn't grow up with a father, you need to understand something. If you've come to faith in Jesus Christ, you now have a father. God is now 
your father. And he's a good father who loves you more than you could ever, ever imagine. So I understand it's going to be a complicated relationship. But if there's any takeaways from this, other than the next coin drop needs for new air, air conditioners, um, it's this. If your parent is still alive and they've wronged you, send them an email or write them a note or whatever and just forgive them. If your parent is still living and you have a good relationship, or whether you didn't, but they provided for you, write them a note or email, whatever, and just say thank you. Thank you for what you did, because they didn't have to do it. Just say thank you. If you were a ratty kid like me, you need to understand that no matter what you've done, God has forgiven you. There's only one sin in the Bible God does not forgive, and that's not accepting his grace. That's it. Everything else is washed away. It's just gone. And now, if you have older parents, make sure they're doing okay. If you have kids or grandkids, if you have kids that you know you screwed up with, ask them for forgiveness. And if you're a parent now, even a grandparent, you need, whenever it's possible, you need to have the talk with your child or grandchild and let them know, understand, kid, I love you, but I'm a sinful human being, so are you. I will make mistakes, and I am asking you for grace, and I will give it to you as well. Because we all need it. Honor your father and your mother. Forgive, show gratitude. It's the only way, really, the help of God, conversions, and raising children in a godly way, it's the only hope our culture has. I don't care who's in the White House. I don't care who's in Congress. I don't care about the Supreme Court. I don't care about any of that unless the church takes its role seriously. And when I say the church, I mean every person in the church of worshiping God, growing closer to God, and taking the children around us and our grandchildren and so forth and bringing them to the Lord and raising them in their ways. This world has no other hope. But we have hope. We do have hope. Now, I'm not really done, but I'm so covered in sweat, I'm going to quit. Um, we're going to continue on with this next week. Uh, I'll be preaching again. Um, because uh, mom and dad are going out of town, so I, I'll be preaching on thou shalt not murder, and I know you're sitting there thinking, I can skip that one. I don't plan on killing anybody. Um, well, there's more to it than that, so we'll, do, we'll, we'll dig in a little bit um, deeper there next week. So again, the devotionals are outside. 
uh, you can take one of those, or if you want to give one to somebody, go ahead. Uh, the coin banks are out there just asking for change so we can get the parking lot taken care of because that's going to be an $11,500 gig. Um, we've already had several people be very generous with that, so we should be able to get that paid for fairly soon. We really do appreciate that. You know we don't usually like to ask for things like that, but it's a big deal. And we've got a couple other costs. There are actually a couple AC units we gotta replace. We gotta bring in cranes to get some of them out and all that kind of stuff. That's silly expensive, but we just have to do that stuff. And so we appreciate you guys also always. I know a lot of times people don't look at the bulletins, don't read through the bulletins, but please understand there are prayer requests in there. And if nothing else, take one of those bulletins and if you do nothing else, when you're praying when you're daily, and I hope you're praying, go over that list of people who need your prayers and be praying for them. Deal? Let's pray and get out of here. And I'm going to go shower again. God, thank you so much that you chose our parents. We may not understand why, but for whatever reason, you, fit it, you knit us together in the womb. You gave us the parents that we had. And for whatever reason that is, whatever mysterious reason, so we should be grateful and show gratitude and, and obedience and honor to, to those who have raised us and help those. As there's many grandparents here, help them help their children raise their grandchildren so that they obey their parents and honor you and, and, and worship you. Because I, I know so many grandparents here, what they want more than anything else is for their kids and grandkids and great-grandkids to call you Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Whoo! God bless you. God goes with you. Have a great week, guys. Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page.